The Start On Demand. On demand. Today we concluded our global news health series on mental health during COVID-19 by looking at how exercise can significantly boost your mental health. We speak to a couple of members of the group Not My Siloam over the reaction of the resignation of the CEO of Siloam Mission. A new Mario game arrives today on the Nintendo Switch as we continue to celebrate 35 years of Mario. And on that note on video games, we asked a question today and had lots of fun by asking you, what was your first video game console? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, February 12th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, in spite of that horrific temperature that I just read aloud, I am excited. It is Friday. We're heading into a long weekend, and I can already... <laughs> I feel, like, dirty saying this out loud at 6.06 a.m. I know what you're going to say. I can already taste the beer that I will be having at 11... Hopefully 11.01, right after the King's Head opens at 11 o'clock today. That's not dirty. You're up at 2. It's like noon in most people's minds. <laughs> okay, good. Justified. Yeah. I am you vindicated. Math, man. You're vindicated. <laughs> you were vindicated about two hours ago, quite frankly. <laughs> this is the first thing I thought of when I woke up. Like, <gasps> it's it's the day. The, the things change today. So It's already beer o'clock in London, England. It's all good, man. Okay, good. I feel better. It, it, it's been fun, actually. I got a note from our gym yesterday that I haven't been to since last March because even though things resumed slightly in the summer, it just didn't work for me. And man, their notes, it's like many exclamation points. <laughs> like, we are opening. Here's how you do. And then there's a meme of a guy dancing. And then it's like, can you tell we're excited? <laughs> like, there's, like when I read it in the voice of owners who are able to open today, and of course there are those who are still thinking they might not. And I understand there's all these mixed emotions. But for those who are, I can only imagine there must be like that... I don't know, that jittery, good, bad, worried, excited feeling all at once. So, yes, many exclamation points for today. <laughs> this is how it's going. Much happiness. There's much rejoicing for a lot of folks, so it's good. Yeah, the uh, the gyms, um, th- that's something I haven't even checked to see if I, because I still have a membership at Planet Fitness. I should probably go there, and I got a note yesterday in my building that the gym in my apartment building will be reopening. Really? It, yep. That's a big step, isn't it? But with the pool, Brett? The pool, unfortunately not. No, I don't yeah. think they're allowed anywhere, even in hotels right now. Yeah. yeah, the pool, the hot tub, that's still off limits, but the gym and the building will be reopening. They they did reopen in the, the first wave of reopening over the spring and summer, but uh, then they, of course, had to close down again. But it's going to be, uh, I have to book it by appointment. There's only one person allowed in the weight room at a time. There's only, I think, two people in the cardio area, and I think it was two people in the yoga room, which is not a room I would use anyway. And then do you have to clean up after yourself, or is there somebody going to be there wiping stuff down? Oh, I didn't read that far. Uh, There's Usually there's never any... 
I don't know, actually. I, I assume it's me because, like, they, they we were expected to clean up after ourselves anyway. Oh, of course. But uh, but now even more so, I would imagine that every time I use the equipment, I'd have to clean up. Although I guess I, as long as I clean, do sort of a thorough clean at the end of the session. Plus, I, you're only allowed to book it in like uh, it was either it was 20 minute increments and 40 minute increments, and that's it. So I get like a small window, get in. Do your stuff, get out. But that'll be nice, like to to be able to access some exercise. And actually, that's going to be the topic of one the, to conclude, Loren, our global news mental health series. Yeah, we've been talking about all sorts of things like addictions and mental health, and teens and mental health are going through the COVID t- pandemic, and how we're hardwired for social connection, and then of course exercise. Exercise has been a huge part of it, and and even myself recently have started to try to do like an hour of walking every day, and just getting that sunshine and getting out there. So, what are the ways you can stay motivated, and not not just about you know weight loss or muscle gain or any of those things, just keeping your brain strong and your mind strong. And so we're going to have a conversation at six thirty-seven about mental health. And, and how exercise can be a big deal during this pandemic. And then at 8.37, Greg, we're visiting with one of our fitness friends for some more tips. I hope she can say, hey, I can eat chips still. <laughs> I wouldn't count on that, <laughs> no uh, but you can certainly ask. And just that... Uh, chips co- in moderation? I think everything in moderation, <laughs> but uh, I don't know... Uh, how many chips uh, Andrea eats, but we will discuss the correlation between our physical fitness, our physical movement, and our mental wellness, because there are many advocates out there who say, you know, your best medicine, uh, if if you're suffering in terms of your own mental well-being, is to get moving. And sometimes... That's easier said than done for so many of the things that we battle with our mental wellness, Brett. It's often easier said than done, but I think the benefits, once you get over that hurdle of getting off your chair, getting off the couch, and then getting moving, for those of us that deal with mental wellness issues... The rewards are exponential. Especially, and Loren touched on it, she mentioned the word sunshine. I know that it's cold, but we get tons of sunshine when it's this cold, and that's that's a huge trade-off. That's one of the reasons why I love going for walks in the winter. If you can get, as you pointed out, get up off the couch, and it, it can be a bit of an ordeal just getting ready to go outside. Oh, because no you question. Have, it takes I can't like even bend minutes. over in my ski pants sometimes <laughs> to get my boots on, and I'm like, you know what, these pants don't need to be done up they're fine we'll just leave them as is and get out there because i've had to put the full suit on every day this week in order to last long enough for me anyway i'm kind of a wuss but yeah i like just i'm a sweaty mess before i even get out the door that nut does not make you a wuss it's dangerously cold out there if you're not dressed for it it's bad like i'm already wondering just for the two block walk from here over to uh king and bannatine yeah. To the king's head, like, do I put my long johns on or do I just try to hoof it over there? I think, yeah, even if I if I run, I think I'm going to have to still layer up. Long oh, johns for sure. Yeah, I wish I was in the Johnny city. Day. I want to see you racing to the king's head <laughs> because it'll look like you're so desperate for the drink at the bar, but really you're just freezing. Or I both. may stay up here on the 30th floor and uh, film <laughs> yes, do it, it, please. <laughs> and he's oh. off to the races. There goes Brett. He's dashing around Albert Street, coming down the stretch. He's here at the king's head. He's, he's sprinting got across Old Mark. <laughs> Square. Oh, the Cube Theater stage has tripped him up. <laughs> oh, and he's been turned away. He doesn't have a reservation. <laughs> Max 
Tackling McGarry and McNabb, our daily Jets update coming up in just over five minutes' time. At 9.35, we're talking about how 35 years, 35th anniversary of Mario, and there's a new game out today, new Nintendo Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. So we're talking about that at 9.35. But right now, we want to know, what was your first video game console? Text us, that with a story for your chance to win a $100 gift card for Namath Diamond. So let's go around the horn here. We've got Jeff Forte, we've got Cam Poitras, and of course, Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Loren, why don't we start with you? Well, mine goes back to, I want to say 1985, maybe 88. And it wasn't a gaming console per se, although we eventually got the delightful sounds of uh, Mario there that you just played in the Nintendo. Ours came through a floppy disk in the Commodore 64, and you would go load, quote, star quote, comma, eight, comma, one, load, quote, winter games, quote, comma, eight, comma, one, hit it. How do you remember the command you had to put in? Because I played a lot of games. Wow. And, and actually, I don't remember the exact quote for that. I do remember there was a comma A, comma 1. There was a star or asterisk in there somewhere. Uh, I used to play a lot of minor 2049ers. You had to load that in with the floppy <laughs> disk. But then when I went, I went down a massive rabbit hole of this, listening to a lot of audio from the Commodore. I listened to the ski jump sounds. I listened to a fighting game. I listened to this minor 2049er that I loved. And so then it... It cued me, Brett. It showed how you loaded in. There was a video on how to use a Commodore. And I was like, yes, close the door. You got to close the hatch. Wait for that bad boy to load. God, delightful times. I, uh, well, I, what was it? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, start. That's, yeah, That's baby. Contra. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Contra. <laughs> 30 lives. Uh, Poitras, what about you? Oh, well, uh, my first one that I remember when I was really young, my dad had a had a Super Nintendo. And so it was, you know, Super Mario World and Donkey Kong Country. Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, which was yes. great. When you struck the guy out, uh, uh, or when you got struck out, your, uh, your, your batter would look back at you and yell at you, which was always a lot of fun. <laughs> NHL 95, which I think is still probably the best NHL game, was also on the Super Nintendo. Uh, and like Street Fighter 2 for fighting games I, I i love street fighter but like my first video game that i owned with like my uh, my brothers and it was was one of the best gifts I, I i've ever received um definitely my best christmas gift ever uh was when i got my my playstation one uh, i remember uh rap, unwrapping that one and just like losing it like in kid enthusiasm where you just like start running around and screaming and holding <laughs> it over your head and shake i can't believe i have it and like crash bandicoot 3 spyro the dragon ripto's rage which was still one of my favorite games chrono cross one of the greatest games ever, uh, as well as, uh, and I just, uh, Chrono Cross, it's like my younger brother, Colton, maybe put a thousand hours into Chrono Cross, and I'm not exaggerating. Wow. We'd go to the, we'd go to the cottage, and he'd bring it, and he'd just sit there under a blanket, and, and, and he'd play <laughs> that for hours on end. So, yeah, lots of great memories. Lots of great memories. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. And I love the, the, the picture you painted about running around. The, the crazy kid enthusiasm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, on a Christmas morning. Video game system on a Christmas morning. That's great stuff. GMAC, you? Should I just hit this? Go ahead, hit that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we often joke about I'm so old, my memories are in black and white. This literally was in black and white. Do you remember Pong? 
The first time I saw Pong was at Disneyland in 1976. And then we got the Lloyd's brand. <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> brand uh, console that, that featured tennis, hockey, racquetball, or, or squash. I'm not sure which. But it was basically the same game. And it was all in black and white, and uh, it was delightful, it was wonderful, and when you look back on it, it was incredibly pathetic. Not pathetic. It, it was, no, sort of. No. Yes. For, for its time, it was it was mind-bending. It was like it was like being in the 30s and watching like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It would have blown your mind. It was a, It's the same sort of thing. All right. You guys are making me feel better. I just, you know, it's like we were so excited to get this thing and spent hours and hours. And the marvelous piece of technology that made it all possible was that little box you hung <laughs> on the back of the TV that switched it from TV to game. TV, game. Forte. Uh, actually, I love that. It's Mario's 35th anniversary because I ended up picking up my Nintendo 64 from my parents' place like three weeks ago, and I've been working on uh, Mario 64, Super Mario 64. I got like 31 stars right now. I'm in the nice. lava world. Nice. It's, uh, <laughs> it's oh, awesome. Lava world. But oh, lava I'm, world. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to break your mind. Oh, I know. It's, it's really hard. I, I, I suck at video games, too. But I'm after I beat this game, I am going to be playing... Goldeneye! Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is still regarded, from what I understand, as one of the, one of the best first-person shooters out there, and that's for the Nintendo 64. That certainly is a classic. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that we are asking you to text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $100 gift card for Namath Diamonds, your first video game console, because at 935 we're talking about 35 years of Mario, brand new game coming out today. Ken texting us, Greg, saying, first game console, yes, it was a standalone, and yes, I'm dating myself, Pong. So you're not alone, Greg. Thank you. And, Good uh, to know. We're Misery all, loves company. <laughs> seeing lots of ColecoVisions, lots of Intellivisions. So keep those coming at 204. I don't even know what Intellivision is. Sorry, Brett, to it, interrupt there. But that's come up like so many thing? times. Yeah, Intellivision, there were, because there were three. So, I, or actually, I think at the time, there was the big ones were Commodore, Atari, Intellivision, and Coleco. And depending on which friend I went to see, I would either, I would play one of the above. And in television was weird. I, I seem to remember it being like a like a card sort of system where you would slide a card, uh, like a digital card into the, I don't know if it went into the controller or the system, and it had a weird controller with like almost like a phone button pad and a, and a knob. That's right. It. Yeah, it was a funky controller. Yeah, so it was it was neat. Um, play, so that's yeah, it was cool thinking about all those old systems. So keep those texts coming two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight and tell us a story. Let's gather around the fire. Tell us a story for your chance to win that gift card. Manitoba's largest shelter is promising change after saying goodbye to its CEO and chair of the board. Yeah, that move follows months of strong criticism about the organization's relationship with the Indigenous community here in Winnipeg. And so it's been decided that 
Siloam's chair, Riley Coulter, and Jim Bell, the CEO, would resign. Bell has been with Siloam since 2017 and in the past few months has been targeted of a group called Not My Siloam, whose members have been critical of the lack of cultural and spiritual sensitivity to its Indigenous clients. And, you know, Siloam was a Christian organization and they were they were pushing to try to find a place for all needs here, Greg. Yeah. So what's next for this critical uh, piece of our community and uh, and how can uh, we move forward here? We're joined now by two members of the previously mentioned group, Kara Von Riesen. Good morning, Kara. Hi, good morning. And to uh, Sierra Noble, we say good morning. Good morning. So uh, uh, Sierra, until very recently, you were working at Siloam. What prompted you to leave? Yeah, so I, I worked at Siloam as the communications officer for about a year and a half. I uh, left Siloam at the end of 2019, uh, largely due to um, misleadership, honestly, when it came to uh, Jim Bell. Um, there were many issues uh, that I found disturbing as far as not uh, uh, staff not being listened to, community not being listened to, specifically Indigenous community and staff in regards to the care that was uh, not being offered to Indigenous community in terms of um, spiritual and cultural care that is incredibly vital to to healing and transition. Kara, you were also once a staff member. What do you make of the resignations? I've been very encouraged by the re- resignations um, and the decisions that Silo Mission and its board have made. Um, I think these are positive steps forward. And, um, you know, when when trying to evaluate uh, what steps Silo might take, um, you know, given the media pressure and pressure from community, um, I really do think this was the most reconciliatory thing that they could have done. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, I feel... Uh, very positively about those steps that have been taken. Well, we hear all the time, you know, that when we want to make change and, and look for that diversity within our community, within our businesses, within organizations, it starts from the top down. And one of the things that stood out for me, Kara, is the fact that uh, there are no Indigenous members on the board right now. And, and the interim chair has promised to change that. I, I was surprised to hear that, given uh, mm-hmm. just all the work that they do in the community. Uh, why is it so important just to have this representation starting from the top? Yeah, um, I mean, representation is certainly important at all levels. Um, it's critical when we, you know, look at a board level or management and executive um, when decisions around policies or um, and programs are being made um, that directly affect the community. Um, it's important to have representation from that community um, present so that they can make informed decisions so that, you know, um, People from who aren't a part of that community, who are settlers, who have a totally different lived experience and socialization, um, you know, there, there's a natural limitation there that um, they're not going to be best equipped to serve Indigenous mm-hmm. people. And so we really do need Indigenous people serving Indigenous people. And um, that knowledge and those traditions and customs um, need to be supported. Um, and I mean, more than that, um, they they need to be uh, indigenous sovereignty needs to be recognized and that's very hard to do if there's no proper representation um, to teach inform or otherwise educate 
Sierra, from the outside looking in, we've just got uh, about a minute and a half here at the very most. From the outside looking in, the last several years looks to be uh, a very prosperous one for for Silo Mission. Uh, unprecedented expansion with regard to facilities, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, what's next? And and is this just uh, one of those uh, cautionary tales that it's not always what it seems like from the outside? Um, well, I think it's an important lesson for um, for everyone to to really dig into the organizations that they support. Um, I do want to make it clear that Siloam does and always has offered incredible support and much needed support to community in need. Um, but now I hope that with this change in leadership um, that more work can be done, even better work. Um, it's it's an amazing organization from ground level. The frontline workers are amazing. So I hope that uh, the future is bright for them to be able to continue to do the work that they do and even more. Sierra Noble joining us live on 680 CJOB along with Carol Von Reason, both members of Not My Siloam. McGarry and McNabb text message at 204-780-6868 from Tony, who says, I was a backup paper paper boy for an older boy named Colin for Winnipeg Free Press, and I used to hang with his brothers. They got wind. I enjoy the Magnavox Odyssey machine and mentioned it to my dad. He worked overtime for a month and paid cash in 1980 Two hundred and sixty dollars. Whoa! Which at the time he only made ten bucks an hour. The boys kept it a secret, so on Christmas morning it was under the tree. I went nuts with joy. Oh! Guess what? I'm forty-eight years old, and my mom found that old machine in storage, <gasps> and I'm bringing it into the classroom to show kids how much games have advanced since then. Yes. I never forget that moment. And uh, he says it's uh, Magnavox in the '70s and early '80s. Made the same, made the system. It was very similar to an Atari. He says it was awful, but awesome. (laughs) Great story. Oh, that's so good. I I have to say, actually, when we got our Commodore 64, it was also for Christmas. And I'd overheard my parents having this conversation, like a whispered Christmas gift thing. And I said, what are you guys talking about? What's happening? Is that our Christmas thing? And I think I was, you know, eight or nine. And my mom said, yeah, okay, don't tell anybody. We're getting a new toilet for Christmas. And for some reason, I was like, oh, cool. Just because I was in on the secret. Yeah. And then Christmas morning, the Commodore set up in the in my parents' room upstairs so they could keep an eye on what games we were playing. And I was like, oh, awesome. And then I was like, wait, we're not getting a new toilet? <laughs> and my mom was like, you are not very bright. <laughs> she didn't say that. But I feel like the look on her face is like, wow, you really... Why would you be excited about that? No, was the fact that the, the the toilet was used as a as a fake out because of the word commode, commodore? <laughs> Ooh, that would have been clever. I don't think so. We lived in a really old farmhouse. The odds were were that we needed a lot of new appliances in that house, and so I think maybe that was maybe that was the thing my mom wanted for Christmas, and uh, the veto was no, let's get something for the kids. But it's just funny how that Christmas surprise, like the ones that stick with you. Uh, that computer will always be one of them. Tony's text was really good, and and it was uh, similar to Heather's, I think, Brett, 
when uh, Heather said our first game was Pong. My mom worked at Zeller's, and she brought it home for us one day. She didn't even know what she had bought. She just knew that everyone was buying one, so she bought one for us as well. We played that thing for hours, and I just said, what a great mom. It doesn't even know what she's buying, but she brings it home because she doesn't want her kids missing out. That that's That's true love. So keep those texts coming, 204-780-6868, for your chance to win a $100 gift card for Namath Diamonds. We'll give it away just after 9.15, right after we have our 9 o'clock chat, our Gab with Gabby. We are wrapping up two weeks of special coverage across the global television and radio networks, exploring the state of our mental health during the COVID-19 pandemic. And today we are discussing the connection between physical activity, something which is likely taking a little bit of a hit during this cold snap, so many of us have been taking advantage of the milder winter to get outside and get our bodies moving with the absence of gyms up until today, of course, and fitness classes to help keep us motivated, Loren. And I think many of us, when we go and we start to think about exercise, we think about the benefits to our body, maybe losing inches or gaining muscle or losing weight. But what about that connection between that physical activity and our mental well-being? Well, Andrea Cates of Fit Communications has been spearheading initiatives and ways for girls to stay active for years. And she joins us now. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being with us. And, and as I was saying, you know, I know the first thing I do when I start to say, okay, like I'm going to get fit is I think about that number on the scale or about my jeans not fitting. And it's only after when I start exercising that I think, oh, that feels good. You know, I, I feel just more alert to more aware and stronger mentally. So what is the actual, what's going on in my brain while I exercise that proves this is so good for our mental health? Absolutely. So, I mean, of course, the physical benefits are huge and we all love them. Um, but there's also endorphins that are released when you exercise into your, into your body. And so when you physically, when you're physically active and you do exercise, you release dopamine, uh, serotonin, other endorphins. And that's sort of like the feel good hormones. And those feel good hormones literally make you feel good. But it's, it's more than just that too. I mean, there's also, um, a lot of benefits for depression, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD. You get to sleep better. There's, your overall mood is just elevated by that release of endorphins into your bloodstream and staying physically active is one of the best ways to do that. By the way, was that the sound of your new baby that I heard? <laughs> yes, that is the sound of the new baby that you heard. Well, congratulations, by the way. Well, thank you. I, thank you very much. Um, how I'm old now? on physical activity, too. <laughs> how old is your baby now? She's seven weeks old. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's just a little new one. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've made it very clear on this radio program that uh, me and babies are not uh, friends, but uh, listening to her sound, that's pretty cute. So I gotta, just wanted to acknowledge that. Okay, so if, if you, in this cold, weather like we've we the three of us have acknowledged we all have enjoyed like gotten out and enjoyed it but for somebody who is using the cold as a barrier who says you know what it's just too damn cold i'm not going outside what would you say to try to convince them to take that plunge absolutely i mean it it is really cold out so um doing something outdoors you really need to be dressed for it um so that's not necessarily the option or desire for very many of us uh, myself included um, but you can do something indoors. I think we've all been in COVID um, sort of, let's be honest, fatigue with the lack of gyms or the lack of fitness classes. And this lockdown has made it even harder for us. But there's 
so many different things that you can do indoors. So whether that's throwing on a, you know, a YouTube video or finding a local gym that's doing some free classes online, there's uh, lots of Instagram live videos that you can watch. There's so many different options right now that you can do indoors. It's just a matter of finding something that you enjoy and getting at it, setting a little bit of time aside and, and doing it. And, and to be honest, it takes way less time than to go to the gym. You know, I, when I was going to the gym, it's, you know, by the time you pack your bag, you drive to the gym, you get ready, you work out, you wait for machines, you chit chat with, you know, your, your friends there. And then you do the same thing on the way home. You're looking at a two hour time span out of your day versus at home. You don't have to get ready for anybody. You can literally like roll out of bed and, you know, throw some runners on and, and there you go. You can work out in, you know, your half an hour, 45 minutes if you have it. Um, and, and do a workout online. So there's lots of different options that you can do, um, but it's just a matter of sort of motivating yourself. And that, I think, it sometimes can be the hard piece. Andrea, uh, I'm grateful that this isn't television because if Jackie could see my face right now, she would be looking at me going, you want another one, don't you? Babies just absolutely make me coo and woo. And so congratulations. I wanted to echo Brett's sentiments as well because uh, what an incredible experience, uh, life-changing for you. And uh, I want to read this text message from listener Brad because I think it's inspiring and it talks about how life-changing exercise was for him, and I think maybe this brings it all uh, into a nice, neat, tidy package here. Brad says this, I always hated running. I was that chubby kid in class who would be last across the finish line on field days. Fast forward several decades and still chubby, perhaps even dealing with some depression, I started walking with my neighbor. He had a dog that needed a walk and he had diabetes and walking had helped him. So I joined him every day for a six kilometer walk around Pinawa. I still hated running. But one day I needed to run down to the end of the street and I discovered that I was not exhausted when I got to the end. Now, Brad's uh, got some real serious details here about his uh, victories and his achievements here. But he's talking about something called the C. 25k program and basically one of the principles is if you're in pain you stop running it took him about 10 weeks to get to a 5k without stopping and I could read the rest of it but it's just it's just a a little bit too long to do so here Andrea I think this is a prime example of someone who thought I'm never going to be able to do this but Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another really important piece, too, that I think a lot of people are missing right now is the community piece um, that we're that we're all losing out on in not only in exercise, but in life, I think, um, that adds to our mental health. So, you know, whether you're at a, a kickboxing gym or just going to do your you know, your workouts on your own or you're part of a, a hockey team, that that mental health and that social piece of um of the gym or of working out or of being part of a team is a huge thing that I think that we're missing. And um, whether, and, and that's for every age, right? I mean, kids haven't played sports and it feels like a hundred years right now and same as adults. And I think that we, you know, when we find, you know, this guy with his neighbor that was, you know, pushing him every day or, or somebody to go with every day um, or it's, you know, your teammates or just the, the people that you all, you know, you see at the gym every day because you go all the, you know, at the same time all the time. I think that's a huge piece of our mental health 
um, that's keeping that we're, we're missing out on right now. And hopefully very soon we'll be able to kind of get that piece back as restrictions start to lift. But I think there's, there's ob- the obvious physical, um, you know, with the endorphins and whatnot that are happening with our mental health. But there's also that community and social piece that is really important um, that we can also get from exercise and sports. Andrea Katz joining us live on 680 CJOB, Fit Communications, Fit Women and Girls. Thank you so much for the insight. We always love chatting with you. Thanks so much. You guys have a great rest of your day. I want to continue the conversation now on exercise, part of the Global News Health Series on mental health during COVID-19. How exercise can give you a boost during this pandemic, Greg. Yeah, and uh, we read uh, Brad's text message. And Brad, thank you so much for sharing your story. And Ainsley texted in to say, Greg, it's C25K, otherwise known as Couch to 5k so now i'm on the official c25k.com website and it talks about getting from the couch to 5k's in nine weeks uh, running program there so if you're interested in that take a look at that i apologize for messing up the uh, 25 in between the c and the k it's the the two is a to instead of the number two so it's c25k in nine weeks. It looks uh, like an interesting program for those of us, Loren, who might think, um, no, running's not for me. Yeah, and I think that, but I like it when I'm done and when I'm doing it. And that's very much what we've been talking about today with mental health and the connection to physical activity. And this text, I think, sums it all up from one of our listeners who wrote just now to say, I was just discharged from HSE short-term treatment for depression yesterday. My first gym session is now done. You can't wipe the smile off my face. I just about cried texting this as it's been a long time since I've had something to smile about. Being sick sucks. And there it is. The mental health connection in there for depression. Obviously, they talked about exercise. They've had their first gym session and they're feeling good. Not a not a panacea, not a cure-all, not going to fix everything. But it's going to get you started, I think. I remember when I first moved into my Corden apartment at Lord Harrow Apartments, Corden and Harrow. That would have been actually right around now. It was February 15th, 2014. And for the first two months or so that I lived there, I did nothing but sit on the couch and eat hamburger helper and and I uh, gained a little bit of weight. And I was just, I felt like garbage all the time. And I finally got up just one day and went for a walk because I used to, prior to that, I used to like walking, but I had sort of stopped doing it. And even though I was kind of huffing and puffing just from going for a walk, it felt good to get outside. And then I started going every day. And in within two and a half months, I dropped 20 pounds and I just felt so much better. But just take the, regardless of whether or not you lose weight, you know, I think that was irrelevant to what it did for my mental wellness. It just made me feel better. I felt more energetic, um, more optimistic and so on. So, well, and I guess was that that around the time when we started doing radio together, Brett, when you started walking from work not long after that, right? You would uh, go out of your way to to walk to work in the morning and then walk back home uh, late in the afternoon. And uh, I saw such a change in you just in terms of how you felt about things. And then over the years, the walking has become almost a, such a, a indelible part of who you are. And you take pictures now on your walks. Like it, it's it's sort of it sort of changed you a little bit has it not yeah i love the love walking man i i i hate running don't make me run but i'll walk anywhere as long as it's safe to do so like i would i would walk to work if i wouldn't have to do it at three in the morning 
but I'm not crossing a bridge at right. 3 a.m. It's just not safe. Lots it's, of shoulder checking at that time of the morning. Yeah, I don't want to be uh, have my head on a swivel all morning while I'm trying to get to work. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we're giving away that $100 gift card for Namath Diamonds based on your text messages at 204-780-6868 on your first video game console. And GMAC, what inspired that topic? Something we're doing at 935. That's correct. We're talking about, it was last September, but we're talking about the 35th anniversary of uh, Mario Brothers. And there's a new game being released today in the Mario world. So Nintendo reached out to us and they said, hey, would you like to speak to one of the top video game experts in the country about what's going on with Mario. We said absolutely what a great way to wind up our week and to end our Friday on the start. So we're going to do that in about 31 minutes time. But in the meantime, it's Friday just after nine, which means it's our weekly Gab with Gabby. Gabrielle Marchand, host of Global News Morning. Gabby, I'm kind of ambushing you with this, uh, but I, I sort of feel like I have to ask you because I understand you were out and about recently and someone was like, hey, Gab with Gabby. I got so excited. I didn't know that our segment really had a name. I guess I participate in it every week, so I should know that. But I didn't know we'd officially coined it. It made me feel really special. And it's kind of nice to have... I mean, I heard this through someone else, but their relative was like, oh, I hear this girl on the radio. It's Gab with Gabby. And I was like, yes, I've made it in Winnipeg. Officially on CJOB. T-shirts are being made as we speak, Gabby. <laughs> Seven minutes a week on CJOB versus what, the 15 hours a week that you're on television and well, now you've made it. I know. It's official. <laughs> Probably 14 hours too many a week on television from most viewers' perspectives. Oh, stop but. it. Yeah, please stop. So modest. So is that a Saskatchewan thing? Like, you're almost, like, Self, really, yeah. really modest. Oh, that's kind. Thank you for that. No, we're not modest at all, I guess I should say. Is that being modest about modesty? Yeah, I think. <laughs> so in Saskatchewan, we're so used to everybody bullying us. I used to go to summer camp with Albertans, and they'd say that Saskatchewan is the province that should be rolled up and thrown off the continent. <laughs> Come on. Who yeah. says that? The Albertans. So I feel like we're just so used to being bullied that we sort of just, it turns into humility. We're a kind folk. Brett's disappeared. I have Sorry. wondered if there should just be a bridge over Saskatchewan. I have oh, thought about that. But I do. Oh. I love Saskatoon. Yeah. There's some small towns. I like northern Saskatchewan. The lakes are amazing. So we shouldn't knock it. It's called the it's... Gap for a reason. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh, right. Manitoba, we're in this together. It's us versus the rest of the world. Come That's on now. That's the way to sell it. There you go. I don't know if I can get behind that notion. I'll, can I take that one under consideration? All right. We'll ponder that and perhaps we'll revisit next week. But one of the things we talked about this week, Gabby, tasks that should have been quick and easy. Greg, he was he had to take his bathtub out. He's renovating his bathroom. He says it should have taken five minutes, but because of some unforeseen situation with the drain, the tool that he had didn't quite work, so it took two hours. So it took a lot longer than it should have. You got a, something similar? Yeah, I recently moved into a new apartment and became quite handy with an Allen key putting up all my furniture. And I bought a bar cart. And Loren, I hope you can relate to this story. So this bar cart, the internet tells me it should take an hour to assemble, for one person to assemble. I started drinking the wine for the bar cart as I was assembling the bar cart. 
And then I got pretty distracted by many things around me, and I put some pieces on wrong, and this was not complicated, but <laughs> one and a half bottles of wine later, the bar cart was assembled, but it also took four hours. <laughs> so it was a whole evening experience. Listen, does the cart work? The cart works so Is far. Is there wine on it right now? There's less wine than there was a couple days ago, but there's still right? wine on it. So. You know what? <laughs> this all adds up to a win in my book. You had a good time, I'm sure. And Fun you got a cart. Yeah, Where'd you get go. it from? Wayfair. Okay. Is hey. it the Gracie Oaks? I'm just like, I see a Gracie Oaks Tower bar cart on Wayfair right now. I right? think there's about 2,000 on there. I can't that's remember tr- what it's called. So uh, yeah, That's probably true. I tried to find a, a look at that website. I want to get a pub style counter height uh, dining room table and they have like mm. 600 of them. So I just kind of, I sort oh, of get great. Over, I that's get overwhelmed. That's what Brett needs is yeah. more choice. I know. I <laughs> The more choice, more choices just makes my brain uh, stop working. Valentine's Day. You got a good or bad date experience? You know what? I had a really good Valentine's Day a couple of years ago. I think we celebrated on Louis Riel Day. So everything was kind of, some stuff was closed. And we went skating on the river and then tried to find nachos. Nachos were, I mean, this classic Gabby date. Nachos are key. And we tried about four different spots. So we were just driving around looking for somewhere to eat nachos that was open, but it ended in nachos. I've also had a bad Valentine's Day date with some guy who was like, oh, I don't really want to take you out on Valentine's Day. I don't want you to get any ideas. And then on the date, this was like a new date, obviously, he kept bringing up the awkwardness of going on a date on Valentine's Day. And I just kept, you know, like doing a shot every time. It was a disaster. (laughs) Do you guys have any good stories, Valentine's Day dates? Uh, who wants to start? Well, my best Valentine's Day date actually, I think, was last year on Valentine's Day. Went out with another couple. Went where uh, for dinner. We were in non-COVID times, of course. Went for dinner with a couple friend of ours. And uh, I was telling uh, everyone earlier this week, uh, Gabby, that I met my wife and we had our first date on Valentine's Day. We met oh. a week before at a party, and then our uh, first official date was on Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day kind of special for us. And we went to a hockey game, and then we went to, uh, what's the name of that, um, the Hargrave Market in True North Square, and had just a blast with uh, with a couple of other couples. And that was our last date night. That was our last night out. Uh, so almost, uh, you know, going on a year now. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, my best uh, Valentine's Day was uh, probably last year. So keeping it spicy at home this year. Yeah, yeah, spicy. (laughs) That's the word. (laughs) Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. And she visits us every Friday just after 9 o'clock for the Gab with Gabby. Gabby, always a pleasure. Happy weekend, everyone. Happy long week. Do you have to work on Monday? We're working on Monday, so we'll see you 6 to 9 a.m. Can watch to, on Monday. That's great. That, yeah, we can always we can see you. We I just can never hear you. I feel like you will all be sleeping Monday at uh, six a.m. No. I no, no, yeah. The, I wake up at the like all the weirdest times. You six know, o'clock it's the is saddest thing. In. But you wake up and then you're like, well, I could probably get a lot done at three a.m. if oh. I got up right now. Yeah, sometimes that happens, and then I might take a nap at six o'clock until nine o'clock. I won't do that on Monday though. I will turn on Global News Morning.
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb talking about Danger Zone. Listen to this text message at 204-780-6868 when it comes to video games because it sounds like this family is always in the Danger Zone. This listener says, my family has a history of buying the wrong video game system. In the early 80s, my dad bought a Mattel Intellivision system right before the video game crash of 1983. Should have bought an Atari because everyone had one. We soldiered through and... I saw that during the Nintendo area, as I saw my friends enjoying Super Mario and Contra, and then the 16-bit era arrived, and I was flush with cash from my Winnipeg Free Press paper route. I saw these amazing graphics on a friend system and had to have one, so I bought a TurboGrafx-16, not a Genesis, not a Super Nintendo. Oops, I did it again. But it was still fun many a winter evening while away in front of the TV. Yeah, I, the Turbo Graphics was a pretty good system. It just it got overpowered by the Genesis. And as you what did you how did you put it, Greg? Sega. <laughs> Sega. Oh, yeah, that's Sega, really good. Sega was great. Uh, I don't even know about this game system that you just so eloquently described and was typed out for us. So, uh, I clearly missed uh, some I mean, I missed a lot of stuff with the video game era. But yeah, there's nothing worse than uh, picking the loser. Uh, it was like Betamax versus VHS. It looks like looked like Betamax was going to run away with things because because Sony was the thing, but then it turned out VHS was uh, the more popular format for so folks. You uh, mentioned that uh, we were talking earlier about how someone said you shouldn't blow in. Forte said that apparently you're not supposed right. supposed to blow in the cartridge for the Nintendo cartridges, and someone uh, provided a solution to that. Yeah, uh, you should use compressed air instead because. The moisture, uh, maybe it was Justin Trudeau texting us, uh, the moisture from your mouth when you're blowing, mm. it can get inside the cartridge and cause damage. So that's the problem there. It's not the air. It's the it's yeah. the blowing moistly, Loren. At 10 years old, I'm going to the garage and asking my dad for the air compressor. You know what he would have said to me? Stern that damn TV off and get outside. So no, you just got to spit on it. See what happens. You, you don't want the cartridges to be moist. Loren. Hey, we've we've decided that Tony is going to be our winner today for this $100 gift prize for gift card for Namath Diamonds. And uh, what did Tony have to say, Loren? Tony writes, I was a backup paper boy for an older boy named Colin for the Winnipeg Free Press. I used to hang with his brothers and they got wind that I enjoyed the Odyssey machine and mentioned it to my dad. He worked overtime for a month and paid cash in 1980. That was $260. At the time, he only made $10 an hour. The boys kept it secret, and on Christmas morning, it was under the tree. I went nuts with joy. Guess what? I'm 48 years old, and my mom found that old machine in storage, and I'm going to bring it into classroom to show the kids how much games have advanced since then. I will never forget that moment. It goes on to say, Magnavox in the 70s and early 80s made this system that was very similar to Atari. It was awful, but awesome. <laughs> look it up. It's valued as the biggest first game system. So, yes, when you look back now... And thank you, Tony, because that's a beautiful text and a beautiful thing your father did. Man, that must have been a lot of overtime to come up with that cash. So that's wonderful. And when you look back at those games now, I was looking at the Olympic Games, like the ski jump. It's like a stick figure flying <laughs> through the air. It's like, burr, burr. and then the crowd goes, <laughs> like it's not even a proper clapping noise. It's a terrible sound, but it's. But at the time, you were like, I am ski jumping. I will be the champion of Russia because you got to pick different countries. Too. That's so, right. Yeah, actually, then it was the Soviet Union when they played the Soviet Union song. So yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, if you can believe it, last September 3rd marked the 35th anniversary of the arrival of a landmark video game and iconic video game characters. Individually, they they all sound so silly. Oh, That's the dead. one I knew. But they <laughs> were just <laughs> glorious. And uh, Ruth texting us saying Christmas 1988. This might have been around the same time I got a Nintendo Entertainment System. And Ruth says, my father indulged his teenage daughters and got us an NES. I still hate the damn duck hunt dog. <laughs> that dog would laugh at you. <laughs> and and Ruth says still gamers to this day we will be downloading the new Mario 3D World as we love gaming as a family Loren. Oh I, I, like listen it's it's so uh in every family and as we all experience this cold day and buses canceled in many parts of the province including in my kids school division I've already had a chat with them about how many video games they get to play today they're everywhere for adults and kids they're a multi-billion dollar business the game systems are at the forefront and driver of processing speeds graphics uh, it's why you need more bandwidth for the internet and uh, I think it's safe to say the kids love the games as much as we did, if not more, Greg. Well, I quietly admit that for all the grief I give my boys about how much time they spend on their gaming systems, if I had had an Xbox 360 or One or whatever it is, I don't even know, and NHL 21, I may have simply never, ever left my house. What you can do on these games is incredible. Video game expert AJ Fry joins us now to wind up our week here on The Start. Good morning, AJ. Welcome to The Start for the very first time. Hey, thank you so much for having me, guys. I loved all that uh, classic NES uh, sound effects you had for the intro there. That was was a wonderful walk down memory lane. We've been doing the walk down memory lane all morning with the thanks to our listeners. We want to discuss something exciting exciting happening in Mario's world but tell us because this is the question that we've been asking our listeners what were the first games you played and what was your first console oh man I actually my console uh you know I'm gonna age myself here my first console ever was uh an Intellivision which preceded the Nintendo Entertainment System but uh um, yeah, my first Nintendo was the NES, and then I remember that Christmas morning. It yeah, might have been 88, waking up and finding the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, and like you said, spending the rest of the day playing uh, yeah, Super Mario Brothers and, uh, and the NHL as well with, with my brother. So, yeah, those are my, my trips down memory lane in the era of early Nintendo. Yeah, I can't tell you how many hours I've spent over the years playing Super Mario Brothers games. I remember going to bed, having been defeated by Bowser in Super Mario 3, trying to figure out, how how am I going to beat him? And I just lied there for an hour, mapping out my plan of attack. I'm like, okay, I think I got this, but I got to wait until after school tomorrow, and then I got to get my homework done and study for my French exam. (laughs) But I'll get him. I will get you, Bowser. And Bowser is part of what's happening today. You know, Super Mario has had some unique adventures in his own world, but the Spin-off games have been fantastic. So what is being released today? Uh, well, today is the launch of Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury for Nintendo Switch. So it's a re-release of Super Mario 3D World, which was released for the Wii U. Of course, now with you know enhanced features on Nintendo Switch and enhanced graphics and the addition of this bundled uh, extra experience, which is, is shorter than your typical game, but it's all uh, full of action uh, and fun. And you get to team up as Bowser Jr. alongside Mario 
while you try to chill out his furious father, Bowser. <laughs> so I understand you've got, and I'm kind of annoyed Bowser's back. I feel like we should just kick Bowser to the curb. He's kind of aggravating. But I, uh, I'm curious if you have any Mario trivia for us. I uh, came prepared with all kinds of Mario okay. trivia for you. I mean, I'll hit you with a super easy one off the top. Uh, what is the name of Mario's brother? I'm not even going to give you any multiple choice answers on this one. This one Luigi. should be obvious. We all know. It's Luigi. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's see about uh, moving into the world of 3D. Which was the first Super Mario game that uh, delivered us 3D platforming? Jeff Forte, do you want to take this oh, one? Sorry, go. Super Mario 64? Super Mario 64 is the correct answer on yes. that one. Yes. I yelled out um, three, oh. the third game. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were there were a few before Super Mario 64 arrived. Um, let's see if, if you guys know anything about Super Mario 3D World, though. I'll give you some multiple-choice answers on this one. So how does Mario and company arrive in the Sprixie Kingdom in Super Mario 3D World? Do they go through a launch star? Do they jump down a clear pipe? Do they jump into a painting, or do they simply walk there? Painting. Uh, oh, yeah, that might be that might be. It. Let's go with painting. It is not a painting. Oh. In fact, it is jumping down a clear pipe, and the clear pipes were originally introduced in Super Mario 3D World. It was it was pretty breathtaking for those of us who were um, big fans of the franchise. A clear pipe? What could this possibly mean? And that's how you get to Sprixie Kingdom. Yeah. Um, all right. So. I, unfortunately, yeah, well, we'll take a shot. I, I confess I have not played the Super Mario 3D World, so I'm just, I'm just sort of throwing darts. But let's, uh, let's see what we got. All right. Uh, what transformation does the Super Bell power-up grant in Super Mario 3D World? Is it A, a cat, like you turn into a cat, <laughs> B, a frog, C, tanuki, or D, a bee? That gets a little confusing with letters. <laughs> Forte, do you know? I'm out. I got no clue. <laughs> I'm saying Tanuki just because I don't even know what that is. I am not a cat. I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cat is actually the right answer. This is uh, the Super Bell power-up that was introduced in Super Mario 3D World. gives you cat powers, um, and it's lots of fun, especially when you have uh, your friends playing alongside you. You can team up with three friends playing through the whole game that way. My wife and I did the whole game cooperatively back in... Uh, 2013 when we were just falling in love so we're very excited to uh, to go back to it now as a happily married couple a romantic super mario story i'm curious aj as you mentioned yeah. you and your wife how much do parents play a role in in the longevity of super mario and all the games because you know the kids have so many options this, these days and there's all sorts of different ways they can go different consoles things that keep them occupied yeah. but i'm wondering if it's the parents that help keep this alive because each generation brings it back well, I would have to agree. I mean, I'm not a parent yet myself, but I mean, one of the big things that I'm excited about with, uh, you know, having kids is introducing them to the world uh, of video games. And of course, you know, Nintendo games are going to be right there um, because they're so family friendly, especially the, the Super Mario Brothers franchise. Um, you know, it will be just a wonderful nostalgic experience to get to share that with my kids. So, you know, it's Super Mario is, you know, 35 years old now. Uh, you know, there's generations of, of parents who have shared their games from their childhoods with their kids. So, and it's always a great way to make sure that you're, you know, keeping an eye on the kind of entertainment and experiences that your kids are uh, enjoying. 
And this transcends generations because we were talking about my first video game earlier, AJ, and it was Pong. And I remember seeing Pong uh, as an arcade game in California back in 1976. Then a couple years later, they had these uh, Pong consoles. Mine was from Lloyd's. But it changed the way, not only, it wasn't something that you necessarily did by yourself, it was something that you did with your family, and I think that's starting to yeah. happen again where where families are playing video games together. The, the Wii U, I thought, was outstanding for doing that. Yeah, well, the, the Wii uh, original system for sure with its motion controller. Oh, yes, uh, the, the Wii, yes, not the Wii U, the, the, the original one, right? The white one? Yeah, 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 the original Wii, though I am a, a huge uh, champion for the Wii U as a fantastic system as well. Uh, I really enjoyed that console, which was the interesting transition point between the Wii and Nintendo Switch, which we have now, which is you know a fully portable system that you can also dock and, and play at home. Um, but yeah, Nintendo's always been at the forefront of making those uh, those changes that uh, you know make gaming more accessible to, to more people. And uh, yeah, it's it's great to uh, have those experiences with your family all jumping into the same world together. And now with the you know advent of uh, virtual reality, as we're all you know spending so much more time at home, if you're fortunate to have one of those systems, you get to uh, do a little exploring, you know, fully immersed in in other worlds. One of the things that uh, I love about these Mario games as well is it. You know, regardless of which one you played as a kid, uh, you can revisit it as an adult and it takes you right back to those moments. Like I think about Super Mario 2, for example. Actually, let me ask you a trivia question. Can you name the big boss of Super Mario Brothers 2? Oh, that's it. Oh, no, I can't. Off the top of my head, I would have to quickly Google that. (laughs) I'll I'll give you a hint. It starts with a W. Well, it wasn't Wario. It was it was Wart? Right, yeah, Wart. That's right. That might actually be one of the questions that we are asking on our our trivia experience on Monday, which has unfortunately already been uh, fully booked. But but, uh, but yeah, it ties into the whole trivia that we brought in uh, brought up today earlier. But I wanted to. But as far as Super Mario Two goes, I wanted to ask you about that because that that game sort of. Uh, completely shifted the mechanics of Super Mario and like Luigi when he would jump, his legs would sort of go back and forth and he could jump really yeah. high and Prince the princess could float. And they never yeah. went back to that. It was is is Super Mario two seen as a a stain on the legacy of the Super Mario saga, or is it just sort of its own unique little monster? You know, it it definitely had its own unique feel, though they've they've certainly borrowed elements from that. And in fact, you will see some of those in Super Mario 3D World. Uh, Peach can float in the game. Uh, Luigi does jump a little bit higher. So there are a lot of elements that were you know originally introduced in uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 that have um, you know lasted the test of time and are, are still referenced today. But yeah, we uh, you know in, in some of our preparation for our event on Monday, we're discussing. Um, the various games in their fields. And yeah, I, I think there's a general consensus in the gaming community and with Nintendo fans that Super Mario Brothers 2 was definitely a deviation from where the rest of the franchise has gone, but you can still find so many wonderful moments uh, within it and, and places to draw inspiration that I'm you know, loving seeing come back in games like Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Before your trivia today, Monday, AJ, I have to give you some extra fuel, if you will, or maybe for the day sure. you become a father. What is Mario's favorite kind of pants? <laughs> favorite kind of pants? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Material. I mean, 
Oh, you're walking into something here. It's a dad joke, AJ. Denim, denim, denim. Denim, denim, denim. Denim, denim, denim. Denim, denim, denim. I got that for my kids this year. I just had to pass along. Oh, I'm going to use that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, AJ, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to speak to you about video games and Mario. Uh, Great way to start our long weekend. Yeah, thanks so much. Denim, denim, denim. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) Video game expert AJ Fry joining us live on 680 CJOB on today as they launch Super Mario World, Super Mario 3D World, plus Bowser's Fury on the Nintendo Switch. They were originally going to speak to us. He mentioned this uh, this trivia uh, thing, a very Mario trivia activation. Uh, they were going to tee it up and try to get people to join it, but they, they filled up this event. Surprise, surprise. People are all over it already. Yeah, virtual event that would have given families and fans across the land a chance to... Uh, take part in some Super Mario trivia, but it filled up. So in the meantime, just go play a Mario game. Chances are you've got one in your home, I would imagine. The good chance. Not a, not a certainty, but there's a good chance. You got any Mario games in your home, Greg? Yeah, uh, we have the, uh, the, the for the Wii, it's the Mario Winter Olympics. Oh, fun. And so you can curl, which is good. Bowser's actually pretty good at curling. And uh, you can do the ski jumping and uh, all, I think there's hockey, There's I think there's 10 winter sports on that game. It might be more than that, but uh, yeah, I haven't played it for a while. Might have to break it out this weekend. I might go home and play some Super Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. Oh, Mario Kart's so good. Yeah, the first one is still the best. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.